Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. It's sort of like the guilt is the essence and then the remorse is the expression of it. In the middle, the form, essence, form, expression, kind of a metaphysical construct. The essence is guilt. The form is the apology. The expression is remorse. The result is justice or amends. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This is the second episode in a three-part series on how to apologize. Last episode, we discussed non-apologies and how to spot them. Here we talk about the inner emotions we feel when we've done something quote-unquote wrong and need to apologize for our actions. As we already know, people are generally pretty bad at apologies. Why is that? Well, shame and remorse are strong emotions, and we're generally not comfortable with strong emotions, so we act a little bit crazy. The key to a heartfelt apology is to work past that discomfort and remorsefully admit guilt or wrongdoing while accepting the consequences. But how do you get there? That's where the clear process becomes important. Keep listening to find out more. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of Clear and Open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. So you've heard me talk enough about the epidemic of irresponsibility in our world to be able to make the connection here. This is where it comes from. Because justice is the the condition of responsibility prevailing. You know, it's it's a feeling of like, ah, uh, there was irresponsibility, there was injustice happening, and now it's seen the light of day, it's been righted, it's been owned. And there's a relief, justice has a relief feeling to it. And the relief, I would argue, in, at least in part, is the ability to trust that it's less likely to happen again. That's what we want. You can't change the past. Nobody wants an ownership of, uh, of remorse in a way that changes the past, right? That's absurd. And People don't necessarily want to feel better either because damage has been done and now we've all got to pick up the pieces. What we want is some kind of assurance that it won't happen again. That's why one of the top excuses is, I'm so sorry, it won't happen again. Funny how that doesn't assuage us, right? In fact, I've demonstrated, usually when someone says that, if that's the only thing they say, guarantees it's going to happen again. So. What does influence whether it happens again or not? Well, the, the social science, uh, courtesy of Brene Brown and others, points to this distinction that we talked about last time related to guilt and shame and remorse. Brene Brown doesn't use the word uh, remorse, at least as far as I know, so I'm going to define these terms in, in a way that is different. So for, for the purposes of this conversation, let's define as we did talked about last time, shame, I'm bad. If you do something bad, 
and you go into a shame hole around it and beat yourself up on a personal existential level, I'm bad. The social science says that makes it likely that you'll do it again. That increases the correlation that's correlated with recidivism. You're going to do it again. If you do not feel bad as a person on some fundamental level, but you realize you did a bad thing and you feel guilty about that, that's correlated with change. I did something bad, helps. I am bad, does not help. Okay, this is a review. I'm going to add a a distinction that my guess would be if you could go back and look at, at these studies, you'd be able to see this playing out. I'm going to make a distinction between guilt and remorse. Guilt is, I did something bad and it's a conversation or an admission between you and you. It's an internal dialogue. Remorse is the relational expression of guilt. Remorse is when you express that you did something bad with the concerned parties, people you impacted. That's an important distinction. How many times have you done something bad and felt really guilty about it for a really long time and never told the person that you wronged? Right? We've all done this. Compare that to when you do you wrong someone and then you feel guilty about it and then you go i got to own this with them and then you talk to them about it and you own it it's a very different experience one difference i would offer see if this is if this is the case guilt tends to cycle right you feel guilty you feel guilty maybe you think about talking to the person then you go no that sounds too painful or i haven't talked to them in 5 years or whatever you tell yourself and then you go back to feeling guilty you feel guilty some more. And then, you know, it's a beautiful sunset. Then you go back to feeling guilty some more. And then you watch a movie and then the guilt comes back. It comes back. It goes, it circles like that. With remorse, when you finally express that guilt to someone, it goes away, at least in part, right? It gets to move. Does this fit with your experience? You no longer feel guilty. I would argue that's because the guilt has It's sort of like the guilt is the essence and then the remorse is the expression of it. In the middle, the form, essence, form, expression, kind of a metaphysical construct. The essence is guilt. The form is the apology. The expression is remorse. The result is justice or amends. So this is something we all should have been taught at around 12 years old. But instead, our training around apology is, say you're sorry. Sorry. Now say it like you mean it. Oh, so that wasn't good enough. I need to put on a better performance. I need to appear sorry. Kind of like saying mistakes were made, the appearance of sorry, right? Because all these presidents, they're not guilty. They're not more guilty than than any other human being. They're just going sorry at the level of apologizing for a war rather than like drawing on your classmate's shoe underneath the table, which is something I got caught doing once. (laughs) That's where that came from. (laughs) Took me years to understand why I should have apologized for that. In the meantime, I was forced to apologize for that. That's why I use that as an example. Can I ask you to review um, what I got was the essence is guilt, then the, 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 the something 
apology. The form is the apology. Form. And expression is... Remorse. Remorse, and the result is justice. Sure. I just made that up, but it okay. seems to work. Okay, it seems to work, yeah. Yeah. Again, I keep harping on this. The, the, the first thing to get is that we just, we're terrible at apologies. Why responsibility, discomfort? I mean, is there any, anything more uncomfortable than owning a mistake that you made? And the bigger the mistake, the more uncomfortable that is. You think you're going to get rejected. You're going to lose love. They're going to threaten to divorce you. You're going to get fired, yada, yada, yada. But what usually happens when you remorsefully admit guilt what actually happens is you gain respect. You're seen as being strong. The bond gets closer. I mean, really, can you think of a time in your life when you admitted a mistake without just completely vulnerable? You threw yourself on the mercy of the court, which is a really lovely expression, right? That, that kind of captures the, the vulnerability of a real apology. Like, I screwed up, and whatever the consequences are, I accept them. That's risky and grown up. I accept, I want even the consequences of my actions because that's what an adult does. A teenager screws up and then figures out how to negotiate the consequences. They figure out how to mitigate the consequences. As Ayn Rand said, uh, I'm so fond of quoting, uh, you can escape reality, but you cannot escape the consequences of escaping reality. That's what teenagers want to do. A teenager wants to not follow the rules, not be in reality, and then negotiate the consequences of having done so. That's why it's so important when you're raising teenagers to help them see, hey, if you do A, then B. And when they equivocate and go, well, I see what you mean. Teenagers are very sophisticated these days. I can understand you're upset. Rather than that punishment, how about this one instead? I hear about this kind of stuff all the time. They're very clever. And then the parent who might get hooked, I'm like, wow, that sounds like ownership. That sounds like they're really accepting the remorse of it. And maybe they are. Maybe it depends. But uh, watch out for when people are trying to wriggle out of consequences. So how does that, or does that change at all when it's something that you've done to yourself or if it's a, a habit that is, continually going on because i was just thinking of the recidivism and how that the the likelihood of repeating the act when you beat yourself up over something how does that like that whole um expression of remorse play out with yourself like does that make sense are you asking why why does shame cause recidivism no, as opposed more of, to remorse causing change? No, more of like when, so what you just explained is like if I've done something wrong to somebody, so that's oh. kind of, yeah. So then how does that play? Does it play out differently or is it essentially kind of the same? With the self? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, interesting question. Cool. I get it. Uh, well, let's, let's, go, let's, let's go through the steps of clear and see if it works self to self. I haven't actually thought about it that way. It probably does. Let's find out. So the, the steps for clear are clearly state the issue, as you know, list the total impact, explore root causes, assess personal accountability, and realize next steps. Realize small next steps. 
So what I'm saying is you can use these for solving problems. You can also use these as an architecture for your remorsification conversation, your apology. And probably it would work for yourself as well. So the first thing that we think is easy is clearly state the issue or the mistake or the problem, what happened. So mistakes were made, as we were joking about earlier, fails to name exactly what the mistake was. Right? It sort of leaves it to people's imagination. You know, and then in in the case of like the Iraq war, I'm still really curious. Like, so what actually happened? What was what was the whole timeline, right? If if they're gonna admit that the war was a mistake in any way at all, the American people deserve to know exactly what decisions were made by whom and when, what the thought that went into it. Where did it go? Where was the intelligence about the weapons of mass destruction wrong, completely wrong? Whose job was that? Who believes it? You know, it's a lot. I mean, it would be hundreds of pages. So that's the first thing. And so when someone says uh, also, I'm sorry if there was any inconvenience, you see how that's an avoidance of step one? You go, this happened, this happened, this cost me $200. I lost, oh, I'm sorry there was some inconvenience. What are you talking about? I just told you what you should be sorry for, right? So there needs to be a head-on, gritty admission of what the thing is. When you're working with yourself, self-to-self, it's the same thing. You're defining, I mean, if you told yourself you weren't going to buy another latte in this quarter in order to save money, and then you break down and you... uh, you know, buy a latte and you're having this conversation with yourself, maybe even journaling about it would be a useful thing to do. You want to be specific, right? I fell off the wagon in my savings. Okay. Well, that's true, but how specific? Well, I, I, I let myself get a little sloppy with my money. Not, not quite specific. Enough. What exactly did you do? I broke down and I walked into Starbucks, head full of shame. What was a head hanging with shame? Something like that. Forget that expression. Hanging low with shame. Anyway, but shame is not what we want here, right? Remorse. So first state the issue. What exactly is it? And as you guys have learned from solving problems, this sounds easy, but a lot of times, and you see this when someone's apologizing to you, how many times has someone tried to apologize for you and they, they just won't name exactly what they did? You know they know, but they won't actually name it, right? It's an uncomfortable thing, but that's a, a moment to, to say, hey, I really appreciate the spirit with which you're bringing this apology, but I, I need to hear from you what you think you did. And they might go, gulp, okay. You know, you don't want to hit them over the head with it, but you, you know, you're, there, you're there to support them in that moment in some ways, as well as receive the remorse. Okay, step two, the impact. Also, in the realm of remorse, something very easy to not pay attention to. What was the impact? I'm so sorry I ran over the employee. <laughs> Use the office example. The impact was she's missed work. This, I, it's caused this, all this tumult in, in the office. You know, we're not going to be able to make such and such delivery tomorrow. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, don't, I don't know how to, how to talk about that situation without just starting to laugh. I'm so I'm so sorry we invaded yet another uh, Middle Eastern country. The impact was it cost uh, you know did this to the deficit. Here are the names of all the American lives that were lost. 
here, here's what could have been done with those tax dollars had we not spent another whatever $400 billion on a war. Here are the social programs that have, have been upset and delayed because of it. Like, I mean, when you think about that, a war is a really big project. There's an enormous opportunity cost. You know, I mean, like it, it makes my head spin just to think about all the things that could be happening if Obamacare wasn't trying to get repealed for a 59th time. Like what could have been happening if that only happened twice? I don't know. And the important thing about step two, especially in an apology, is, is that it's a felt thing, that you're really feeling the impact. And this is the crux of what remorse is. It's relational. You've all had the experience of someone apologizing to you and you just don't really feel it. That's usually because they're not feeling the impact they had on you. They're feeling the impact them wronging you has on them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is guilt. That's how I like to define guilt. Brene Brown has a different way of looking at it. So I hate to confuse the issue. But to me, guilt has a self-cycling kind of thing. I did this, and it's because it sort of got a couple of toes in shame. You know, when someone apologizes to you, you don't want them to be hanging their head in shame and so caught up in how bad they feel that they don't realize what they did to you, right? That doesn't reach you. That doesn't cross the space. You, you want them to be aware and paying attention to how they impacted you more than how it impacts them. In other words, if they're so caught up in the embarrassment or the humiliation of what they did wrong and they're feeling bad about it between them and them, there's no room for them to feel what they did to you. Now, that's easier said than done. But that's where guilt sort of, to me, has some toes in shame. Shame is, I'm bad, and there's something inherently wrong with me, and it doesn't even, you can't even really address the action because the person is feeling so bad. Guilt is, woe is me, I did this bad thing but it's self-referential. It doesn't cross the space to the other person because they're so busy feeling bad about what they did. Remorse is where that guilt expands, includes the other person, crosses the space as an expression of, I feel bad about this thing that I did to you. And yeah, I hurt myself in it and I hurt you as well. Make sense? So the, again, listing the impact, that's, that's actually a tool to get from guilt to remorse. So when you do something bad and you're feeling really bad about it, it can help to go, well, how did I impact people? What did, what did this actually do? Uh, and if you're managing someone or supporting someone to feel remorse, that can be a way that you can help them do that. Hey, instead of focusing on how bad you feel about it, what do you think the impact you had was? And there'll be a little cringe where people don't want to go there, but it works. Because it's in seeing, just like in raising teenagers, it's in seeing the connection between this is what I did and this is what it caused. That's where the change happens. In other words, feel, feeling, experiencing, I did this and it caused this impact and I'm feeling that, that's what I'm, I'm asserting causes the change. That Because there's power in that, you see. I did this, I made this happen. I'm shit. I can't help but make these kinds of things happen. There's no power in that. You see that you're playing victim to the thing that, that you did. 
But if you go, I did this, I made this mess, great. Now you're in a position to fix it or never do it again, right? But if it's who you are, well, what are you going to do about that? Nothing. That's why shame, and I say this with a sort of an asterisk, it's a defense. It's a contraction. It's a contraction from reality because when you relate, when you go into a shame bucket, a shame hole about something that happened, you're framing the whole thing as I'm powerless to change this because it's essential to me. I'm essentially bad. That's why I did this. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. What's there to be done if you're essentially bad? It's like, hey, I'm a vampire. I kill people. That's just how it goes. Well, you know, sorry. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.